And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. You know, it always happens. <laughs> it's uh, Thursday, of course, second best day of the week. Michael Lee was joining today. And what I mean by you, it always happens, you know, I had everything planned out. I have to travel tomorrow uh, on business. I'll be gone for the weekend. And so I had everything mapped out. You know, I had my articles written, ready to go, all that. And then the Fed comes out yesterday, does something completely unexpected. Now I'm going to scramble to get everything changed. So, it, <laughs> The weird, I said last week there would not be a newsletter this weekend because I was traveling. There will be a short update this weekend. So if you are subscribed to the newsletter, there will be a short update. I could not, I would be remiss not to uh, provide a short update in this weekend's newsletter based on what happened yesterday. So again, a lot of things have happened. Uh, like I said, Michael and I have a lot to go through uh, from the FOMC meeting yesterday. We'll talk about the consequences of that meeting, what that suggests. Um, we're going to have a little bit longer before the bell uh, this morning as well because there's a couple of things I want to go through um, that we've been talking about. And the reason is that uh, I was wrong. Yesterday I said that, uh, you know, I thought the Fed would come out and be a little bit hawkish just from a prudent stand, uh, standpoint, uh, you know, given that rising asset prices following bond yields, which have been remarkable. We've had a, a market uh, decrease in, in or easing of financial conditions, which is by their nature inflationary because people feel better, they go out and they spend money and that causes prices to rise. But, uh, and again, I thought just from a prudent standpoint that the FOMC should come out and be a little bit cautious, right? Just, you know, not throw all caution to the wind, but that's exactly what they did yesterday. Not only did they basically put in the tank that they're done hiking rates and they're ready to start cutting rates, uh, and it's something that they're analyzing, but the, the dot plot also, and, and we'll talk about this morning with Mike, but the dot plot also shows 75 basis points of rate cuts next year. And that's out, look, there's no recession on the horizon. Um, there is nothing right now that suggests you're going to have a recession or deep disinflationary pressures, which again, which is why the Fed would be cutting rates. So, uh, uh, you know, again, it, it, it was a, it was a very a shocking meeting yesterday, uh, extremely bullish for the markets. And so let's, let's kind of go through this. So again, a little bit, so bear with me. It's going to be a little bit longer before the bell video this morning, but again, I think there's some important points to go through. So here's what you need to know before the bell. Yesterday's FOMC meeting took the bearish bias off the markets. And again, look, markets are very overbought. We've been talking about this for a while. Markets are extremely overbought here. Everything is kind of pegged in terms of their uh, bullishness, right? So uh, retail investor sentiment is extremely bullish now. 90% of stocks are above their 50-day moving average. Whenever historically you get this overbought, you get a correction, but it, it doesn't mean it has to happen right away. And that's, that's basically been the case here. And again, you know, we talk about this whole Santa Claus rally issue, um, what's going on. That is, as you know, despite the fact that we didn't get a correction, something we'd said earlier in the month that we could get a correction or a consolidation, that's exactly what happened. We consolidated this market for about three weeks um, coming into December as mutual funds are making their distributions. Uh, the Santa Claus rally has now arrived about a week early, but we are off to the races here. And, you know, markets, again, very overbought. 
Uh, no doubt about that. Flipped the buy signal back on yesterday from a very high level. So that's, you know, that doesn't give you a lot of room to work here because you are very extended on the signal. Um, and markets are really overbought <coughs> on a relative strength basis. So, you know, that, that hasn't changed. It's just kind of gotten worse over, <laughs> over the last day or so. But there are some important kind of technical things that are going on that are certainly um, much more uh, encouraging for the markets going into 2024. So we need to take a little bit longer look here at the markets um, and, and, and look at what's going on here. So first of all, we are now very close to marking all-time highs. We are within 2%, uh, basically about, about a percent and a half really, of all-time highs on the market. So it is very likely by the end of this week, uh, sorry, not this week, but the end of next week, the markets will set all-time highs. And so we're going to basically wipe out all of that decline that we had in 2022 will have been marked out in 2023 and we'll have completely recovered that. From Also from a technical basis, there's what's known as a cup and handle pattern. And this is a very bullish formation for stocks. And generally uh, when these patterns complete and we're very close to completing this pattern, um, you are going to have higher asset prices in the future. So basically it would, it would argue for a much stronger market next year than many people are expecting. But you had a, this very nice cup handle, uh, kind of the cup formation building. You know, so we had this previous market top. We, we created this cup in the markets, which is this decline that was in 2022, this rally that started in October. You then had this correction in July, uh, in August, September, October of this year that then created this handle pattern that we are now in the process of completing the breakout of that handle pattern. So this all suggests that markets are very much back into a bullish mode for now. And again, look, things can change. And, and this is why it's important to always manage risk, manage your outlooks, those type of things. Right now, this is a very bullish pattern. Now, that does not preclude the fact that we can have another 3 to 5% correction at all. But again, going back and looking at markets from being this overbought, this extended, this deviated from moving averages, etc., you are going to have a 3 to 5% correction at some point. Now, when that occurs, it could happen tomorrow, could happen Monday, could happen next week. I don't know when it'll occur. It will occur. Uh, but that is going to be a buying opportunity, not a selling opportunity. And so when markets get back to working off some of these overbought conditions, and they will. And again, all you have to do is look at the markets over time, right? So people get this idea that markets are just going to go higher from here. You know, nothing's going to stop this train. It's all up from here. Markets don't work that way. I mean, all you have to do is look at a chart and see that prices move up and down over time. So, you know, it's important not to fall into that trap of being you know, pushed into making investments, you know, buying things that are really overbought, you'll have an opportunity, be patient, and you'll get a, a better point to add exposure to, to your portfolio. Very quickly, let me switch over to bonds because that's the other big topic right now, something that Mike and I will also get into today um, as well. Yesterday, so this is a chart of the treasury yield, right? So this is interest rates, not the prices of bonds, uh, which is why it's going down, not up. Bond prices going up, treasury yields going down. Um, one thing that we've been talking about for a while is that as we start getting through this process, yields are gonna fall as inflation comes down, economic growth is slowing, we are seeing slower rates of economic growth. That's gonna pull these yields down. 
Uh, Mike and I have been writing that yields were not were improperly um, priced for where we were economically. The, the yields were way too high relative to economic growth, and that was going to revert. We are now going through that. We are going to take out the 200-day moving average today on 10-year Treasury yields. That, just like the market, <laughs> is going to argue for lower bond prices. Uh, sorry, higher bond prices, lower yields. Now, again, this, there's been a very big move here. We're probably going to see some point here where, where yields back up a little bit. But just like the stock market, when yields correct or stocks correct, and they'll likely happen together uh, for whatever news drives that, that's going to be your opportunity to add bond exposures to your portfolio, et cetera. But again, yields very overbought here, just like stocks are very overbought. So you're going to get a little bit of a correction here at some point, give you a better opportunity to shift duration in your portfolio, something that, that we'll do as well. But yields are now very back into a bullish trend. So if you didn't lock in those 5% yields when we were talking about it, that opportunity, probably gone. So again, we'll, we'll talk about that some more. That's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we come back from the break, we'll pick up with Michael Leibowitz. We'll get all into it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this morning. So hang around, don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And well, <clears throat> Okay, sorry, it didn't, didn't sound like my mic was on. Good morning. Welcome back to the show, of course. Michael Leibowitz joining this morning. Real quick, Mike, uh, before we get into this, I, ha I, have to, I have to air a bit of a grievance. And it was just because there's an article in the uh, on CNBC this morning talking about a self-made millionaire who used to work at McDonald's shares three tips on things he refuses to tip on. And uh, the tipping thing is getting out of control. Uh, they, they are now tip-shaming you at... I, I'm dead serious, right? They are tip shaming you at checkouts. I went to to a, a restaurant with my wife the other day, and you have to walk up the counter. You got to order your food. You got to pick up your food. You got to you know bus it to your table, clean your table, put everything away. And so you know when you go to check out, they flip the little screen around, and it used to just say you know the tip. And I've, we go to this restaurant all the time. It's a very very good little restaurant. We enjoy it. And so used to they just flip the screen around, and it would just have you know ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent, twenty five percent. Um, or no tip right there at the very bottom. There's a little line at the bottom that says no tip, just move on. Now it says, when they flip it around, it says 10% tip, good. 15% better. <laughs> 25, you know, 20% awesome. You know, 25%, you're fantastic, right? And and so now they're 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 tip shaming you. And I'm not, I'm doing all the damn work other than the cooking, <laughs> right? Which I'm paying you a profit for. This is like self-checkout at, the, at uh, the grocery store. It's like, you know, I, w I want some cheerleader to come out and go, Woo, you did a good job. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I should be tipped. <laughs> anyway, I just had to say that because I, I noticed this last night because, again, it was a change to the screen, and, and, and I went, no tip, and it went, boo, gave me a sad face. <laughs> exactly. Gives you the raspberry if you push the no tip. <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking of tips, um, Jerome Powell uh, gave one to the market yesterday. Um, you know, not surprised. I guess, and again, you know, like I said, I, I was wrong. I expected the, you know, the Federal Reserve to be a little bit more prudent, I guess, uh, just in terms of managing policy and managing expectations. And uh, again, you know, just as we wrote about last Friday, 
that you know there's a psychological training to the markets uh, that's been going on. And you know it, it was interesting. George Gammon, who has a YouTube channel, picked on my article that was our article got posted over on Z or Hedge, and he picked on it. And um, you know basically our our comment was is that over the last you know, 13 years because of the Fed increasing their balance sheet, keeping interest rates at zero. They they basically trained investors that whenever they're doing QE and keeping rates at zero, you buy stocks. You don't want to be in cash. And that was the whole point of the Fed program, which was to get yields on cash as low as possible to give you no alternative other than to move money into other assets, be it real estate or stocks or bonds or whatever, to get a higher yield on your cash. And, you know, there's a very clear and what we show in that article is a very clear correlation between the Fed's balance sheet increases and, and not just the Fed, but central banks globally, whether it's the ECB or the Bank of Japan, whoever doing QE, very clear correlation between those increases and in, in central bank balance sheets and financial markets. Now, that doesn't mean there's a direct connection. In other words, the Fed's buying stocks. Bank of Japan does. But, you know, um, you know, the Fed did buy uh, bond ETFs back in March of 2020 uh, to bail out the bond market. So but there is a you know, so the, the transmission system from the Fed's balance sheet into the markets. And Mike and I had a long debate on this yesterday on the phone, you know, is not clear. But there is a psychological link between the markets and what the Fed does. And this is now obvious. And again, we've now trained investors to do this and, you know, Investors have been front-running the market now for the last, really, since the, the end of October on expectations of a pivot in Fed policy. They were right because yesterday at the FOMC meeting, the Fed pivoted and pivoted very clearly in both the, the comments they made as well as in their, their dot plots. And, and Mike, I mean, um, do you disagree with that statement? No, no. And um uh... You know, I think if we go back to when this rally started, that was sort of the market when the market thought there was a pivot. That was when they said the long end with higher interest rates in the long end, 10, 30 years, that the market had done its job for them. And that's when the idea of a pause started. And ever since then, the Fed has you know, been, let's call it relatively dovish. It's not dovish necessarily, but it's certainly becoming more dovish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you, I was a little surprised yesterday. I don't you just if you put yourself in their shoes, what's the upside to becoming more dovish? You know, keep fighting the inflation fight. The economy's doing well, but they took a more dovish till. Yeah. Uh, so, Lance, in my mind, it's either one of two things. They know something that we don't know. And we've talked about that mm -hmm. before. You know, maybe the banks are in a lot more trouble than we think, or they got a tap on their shoulder a couple months ago from the Treasury or from the banks mm -hmm. saying you better get rates down because we're we're struggling here. So something changed in the Fed's mindset. And whether it's based on their guts that they just think the economy is going to slow down and they've 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 beat off inflation and it's over or someone's telling them what to do. Uh, I guess that's what we'll find out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, there's there's clear evidence that, you know, that monetary infusion that we that we did in the economy back in 2020 and 2021 that, you know, checks to households and extended benefits and all that other stuff that that 
pig in the python is now exiting the system, right? You know, uh, M2 as a percentage of GDP is declining. So that support is going away. And, and as you and I have talked about, there's certainly going to be pressure on things like housing prices and, and others. And, you know, so and, and we've seen that, right? Housing prices have come down, although not a lot, but they have come down. Affordability is still an issue for many. And, you know, there certainly doesn't seem, though, at the same time that there's any big risk of recession, despite the fact that, you know, we have inverted yield curves and, you know, the yield curve you know, began to uninvert sharply yesterday um, with the really sharp drop in, in the 10-year Treasury. Today, uh, Treasury yields are looked to open below 4%. So we're going to be like at 3.95% on the 10-year Treasury this morning. That's going to bring mortgage rates down. Um, you know, all this seems to be kind of working. And again, this and this is all financial conditions. This is, you know, what we talked about, you know, ad nauseum for a while is this is all financial conditions. And those are easing rather rapidly on consumers. I mean, lower mortgage rates, that's going to help, you know, maybe stabilize the housing market. The National Association of Realtors and others have been complaining about, the, you know, the, the unaffordability of, of housing prices. Well, you get yields down. That's going to help the affordability to, to buy a home. That'll help the housing market. That'll help the real estate market. Um, lower yields obviously helps the bond market and the stock market. So, you know, this is certainly going to give people a lot more incentive to go out and spend money. And, and, and again, that kind of runs the risk of a resurgence of inflation, but doesn't really seem to be an issue the Fed's too concerned about right now. Right. And financial conditions is the key word you use there, because that's the word they used in October that that or september whenever that was that financial conditions have tightened significantly that we don't have to we don't that we may not have to raise rates mm -hmm. well we've gone a couple months inflation continues to come down steadily but not it's not near their target yet you know it's still three percent and higher uh the job market maybe labor market's slowing a little but it's not i wouldn't say it's collapsing or even right. recessionary it's just not at the fast pace it was but financial conditions have eased very significantly right mm -hmm. interest rates uh the stock market the dollars weakened those were the three things the fed pointed to and they've reversed everything that's happened since then but the fed doesn't seem to care. So again, it's a little bit, it's a little mysterious um, as to what they're doing here or, you know, what they see or what they're being told to see. Right. Well, and, and, and something I want to talk about when we come back after the break here um, is, you know, just to kind of set everybody up is, look, there's, there's still a lot of very bearish commentary out there right now. You know, the, the, the yield curves are inverted. No doubt about that. Um, we've had a very, very long period of yield curve inversions. Um, you take a look at you know a variety of other economic indicators. There's uh, leading economic indicators and others. You know certainly suggesting you know recessionary pressures in the economy. Yet it, it, at this point, it doesn't seem as if a recession is really all that imminent. And and again, there's been this very divided camp uh, in the markets over the last year between those expecting you know, a deep recession because of these indicators. And, you know, there's been another camp that's like, hey, we're probably going to have a soft landing and all this. And, you know, that's never been achieved previously where you've had an inverted yield curve and no recession. So this is going to be very interesting. You know, has the Fed, because of all this liquidity that was in the markets previously, still working its way through the system, 
then the Fed starting to cut rates what seems to be early to the game, right? Is, they seem to be setting up the markets for early rate cuts, you know, rather than waiting for something to actually break and they start cutting rates. It seems like they're going to try to cut rates early um, that they might actually pull this one off. I mean, you know, that's I think that's going to be the big question is, you know, can they actually navigate this soft landing? Or to your point, Mike, is there something else brewing in the economy that or, or the financial markets, et cetera, that we're just unaware of at this point? Um, we've certainly seen some interesting things with repo uh, here recently, but you know, is that really the kind of the the, the crisis indicator that a lot of the kind of the mainstream media is is trying to make it out to be? You know, that's going to be the big question, right? And and so you know, and and that and that's a good point to, to you know to actually kind of start with here, Mike. So we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit after the break about repo. What's going on with that? You know, this, you know, the inversion of the yield curve, uh, leading economic. Are they all wrong this time? I mean, that's got to that. You've got to answer that question because that the answer to that question is going to drive all of your investment outcomes for next year. And if you get it wrong, you're going to get it wrong in a big way. Be right back after the break. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com and welcome back to the show so as we're talking about you know the fed yesterday much more dovish than expected um that is in turn fueled uh, fueled a rather vicious short covering rally yesterday stocks uh, across the board were up uh s p was up about 1.3 percent um small caps were up almost three percent yesterday so just just everything that was underperforming lagging whatever just had or had shorts bet against it just had a huge short covering rally yesterday um and we're in a stone throws now of all-time highs and and the markets are going to gravitate towards that all-time high mark they may just clip an all-time high and then have a correction but um, and again, when we talk about correction, that doesn't mean a bear market. <laughs> it just means two, three, four, five percent, and then you go on your way. Um, but there's this there's this national this natural kind of magnetic point now in the market, which is the markets just want to get to all time highs. It's just a, a, a just a pull, uh, like gravity, to get there. So we're probably going to make all time highs by the end of this week, next week, you know, at, at the latest. So. Uh, the point is, though, is that this is certainly undermining a lot of the more bearish commentary that's been out there. And and again, and and again, there's when I you know, when we talk about bullish and bearish commentary, it's not poking fun at anybody. It's not saying one side's wrong, one side's right, because both Mike and I are constantly analyzing the bearish arguments as well as the bullish arguments and trying to navigate the markets. That's that's all that that's all that means, right? Um, but you know, we've gotten into you know like like society in general we've now gotten into this very 
divisive point in the markets where you know if you're bullish or you're bearish you're in your camp and you can't get out of it right you're just you're that you've been labeled that and you're stuck there but that's not the way to manage money you've got to analyze both arguments to try to figure out where things are going so look the the bearish arguments have a lot of historical evidence tied to them and there is a reason that it is worth paying attention to some of the bearish arguments. And again, we, we'll, we're going to talk about yield curves. We're going to talk about, um, you know, uh, leading economic indicators, et cetera. But, Mike, before we get to that, um, one of the latest kind of uh, alarms for the market has been this massive decline in repo that's been going on. And I've been getting a lot of headlines, a lot of questions, a lot of, uh, you know, videos being sent to me off YouTube channels that you know are, are saying hey the next big crisis is coming because of this drain is re uh, this drain of the repo uh system you know is that the case mike is, is, or is there something else going on and it, so the fed has what they call the reverse repo uh program and what the fed does is they don't dictate the fed funds rate they manage the fed funds rate so when they say it's five and a quarter, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, Banks Mike, then Mike, Mike, let me let me just stop you real quick, real fast, because uh, you, that's a super important point. If you if you can go to the Fred, so you can Google Fred, which is uh, you know F, uh, the the Federal Reserve database of economic data, and you can download the historical data of the Fed funds rate. And what you will notice is it's labeled the effective Fed funds rate. To your point, Mike. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's an important point about they manage the rate. They don't set the rate. And let's even take one more further step back. What is Fed funds? Fed funds are is the rate that banks lend money to other banks or borrow from other banks overnight. So it's the overnight borrowing rate. And that rate kind of helps spur the economy or or slow down the economy. So the Fed manages to a rate. And in order to assure that the effective rate, which is the daily trading rate, is very close to their target rate, and most days they're not identical. You know, it'll be a little above, a little below, quarter ends and year ends. You can have some wild swings in Fed funds. But what they do to manage it is inject money into the system or take money out of the system and basically fool around with the supply and demand to get it to be about, you know, where their target is. And they've been very successful at that for decades. They, they've always been doing it. They have different ways of doing it. In, uh, you know, during the pandemic, there was a massive amount of liquidity hitting the system. So the Fed didn't introduce, but they, you know, but what came back was what's called a reverse repurchase program. And that was where the Fed would borrow money from banks and money market funds for overnight periods. And what that does is it pulls that excess liquidity out of the system. So the reverse repurchase program went up to what, like 2.4 trillion. And now it's come down, it stands a little bit over a trillion now. I think it's 1.1 or 1.2 trillion. So what that's kind of telling us is that there was a massive amount of excess liquidity in the system that if they would have done nothing, Fed funds would have traded well below target, which meant that Treasury bills would have been way below where they should have been. And it would have dragged other interest rates lower, which would have made the Fed's job of fighting inflation harder to do. So because the Fed got involved, 
uh, not involved, but they have this facility open and they they allow money market funds and non-banks to participate as well. They were able to drain the excess liquidity and allow Treasury bills and Fed funds to trade where they, you know, where the Fed wanted them to trade. Um, but again, now we're seeing that program fall off. And part of it is because Treasury bill rates are slightly higher than the reverse uh, repurchase um, repo rate. And it, again, it's telling you that that excess liquidity is leaving the system. That excess liquidity is going into Treasury bills. And that's that's good. It, it means there's this bank of money that's ready to fund the government. So again, all this extra money that the government needs that they're borrowing is not really as um, the money's there. It, it's not as hard on the, the investment world as, as we're being told it is to raise the money. Right. Um, and, and that's and that's a key point, Mike, because. You know, that's what been one of the arguments is like, oh, the government's issuing all this debt and, and you know, there's no buyers for it. And, you know, that was the argument back in October as as the yields were approaching 5 percent uh, on the 10 year Treasury. And we we're like going, hey, that's not the case. We wrote a couple of articles, uh, both you and I wrote articles talking about that. You know, this isn't, you know, the issue that everybody makes it out to be and that there's plenty of buyers for the bonds uh, that that will always come up and, and buy those bonds because of exchange rates, et cetera. And since then, of course, you know, yields have fallen sharply. And to your point, there's a there's a huge amount of cash sitting there ready to buy T-bills. And, and this is what's going on. And the Treasury has also shifted their focus more towards Treasury bills and away from notes and bonds. Mm -hmm. So they're putting more pressure on the Treasury bill market. But there's this supply of money there that is funding them. But what's going to start happening is that repo program goes to zero. It's telling you the excess liquidity is out of the system. And that's where we have to pay a lot more attention, because now when the Treasury bill, the Treasury needs money, they have to drain liquidity from other sources. It's not coming from reverse repurchase anymore. It can be coming from the money markets, which kind of like QE, it's it's it, it will start having a similar effect. Um, right. The but, opposite effect, but a similar effect. Right. And, and again, you know, this is this is, you know, one of the big issues that, you know, there's a lot of money that's hiding out in money market accounts now at 5%. I mean, you know, how, I can't tell you how many people I talk to. It's like, I'm not even in the markets right now. I just have all my money in 5% CDs or a 5% money market account. Well, right. in, in the next couple of months, they're going to wake up and realize that money market accounts no longer 5% or CDs are no longer 5% anymore. And, you know, markets are going to be up, you know, 15, 20%. And, you know, now I've got to make that shift back into the financial market. So there's there or or into longer duration, you know, fixed income, whatever it is. But there's a lot of cash that's sitting there uh, in these other financial assets that may move back into other assets that may provide a higher yield. And this was the conversation we had with a lot of clients. Why are you buying 10 year, five year bonds? at four and a half, four and three quarters, when you can put it in the money market and earn five and a quarter mm -hmm. or treasury bills and earn five and a quarter or even more. And this is the answer because that five and a quarter, five and a half is going away quickly. And what do you want to lock in? Um, so, you know, so again, liquidity is leaving the system. The Fed is still doing QT, which also pulls liquidity from the system. So, Look, I'm not pulling a fire alarm right now, but what I am saying is that 
over the coming months, if the repo program continues to fall at the rate it's been falling, that program will will get pretty low. And we we run the risk of liquidity problems. And this is what happened in 2019 that no one was really paying attention to, that there were hedge funds that were just having a lot of trouble borrowing despite having very good collateral to borrow. Mm -hmm. That's because there's not enough liquidity to go around. So, you know, as we get into March, February, March, April, that's when they admit this may become more of an issue and we'll pay more attention. But it's something to put on your radar right now. Yeah, absolutely. But now let's shift gears real quick because, you know, it is something worth paying attention to. And again, uh, as I said, you know, there's, you know, it seems at this moment that the the Fed is, you know, kind of, you know, going all in. There's a, there's actually a very uh, interesting article in the Wall Street Journal this morning called "The Federal Reserve is Underwriting the U.S. Recovery." In other words. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is, is that the economy has slowed down and now the Fed is going to be cutting rates and providing you know, support to make sure the economy does not go into recession, that we get to that proverbial soft landing that the markets are hoping for right now. But again, if you take a look at a lot of indicators, yield curves, leading economic indicators, et cetera, still suggest recession risk is very elevated. We'll talk about that with Michael Leibowitz when we come back from the break. Don't go away. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com yeah by the way you've heard that uh, ad this morning coming up on january 27th michael leibowitz is coming into town in person so if you'd like to come and hang out and visit with mike in person along with greg valliere and myself and adam taggart uh, we'll be having an economic summit uh, talking about pre-election year market cycles, what's going on, what to expect. Um, you know, kind of going through all the charts and graphics. Uh, we'll feed you breakfast and lunch, but tickets are on sale right now. There is a link in this YouTube description. So if you click on the description for this YouTube channel right now, uh, the video you're watching, um, there's a link there for you to get your tickets. Um, like I said, tickets are going fast. There's only 150 seats available. Um, uh, the link is also live on our website at realinvestmentadvice.com. Right there at the top of the page, you'll see a banner. You can click that, and you can get uh, your ticket secured. Uh, that's coming up January 27th. It's a Saturday morning. Uh, we'll start. We'll kind of open the doors at 7.30, feed you breakfast. Uh, we'll run from about 8 to 12. Um, feed you lunch along the way as well. We'll have a panel, so lots of discussion. Take live questions. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. Be very educational. Um, all right. So, Mike, um, talk, we just talked a little bit about reverse repo. That's been one of the big kind of bearish headlines out there. Another big kind of bearish headline, of course, is the continued inversion of the yield curves. Uh, leading economic indicators have re- have been in contraction territory for uh, over 18 months now. A lot of economic data is still extremely weak. 
Um, and again, historically, when you kind of line all these things up, you've always had a recession. You know, the only time the Federal Reserve hiked rates and didn't have a recession in 19, was in 1995, but the yield curves weren't inverted. Never inverted the yield curve until 1998. Then, of course, you had your recession in 2000. Um, you know, and like I said, there's an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal this morning talking about is the Fed underwriting the recovery? In other words, are they acting sooner than what would normally be expected to try to keep the economy out of a recession? You know, are, do you think, I mean, let's just flip a coin here. I mean, do you think they're going to be successful in, in maybe navigating a soft landing this time because of the combination of cutting rates sooner than expected and still having a lot of excess liquidity floating around the markets? Well, it's, it's a great question. And we talked about this, a few, I don't know, a few weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, that if the Fed really wants to do a soft landing, they're going to have to manage interest rates lower as well to make sure the economic landing is positive and not a hard or crash landing, mm -hmm. right? So might they be trying to get ahead of themselves a little now and cutting rates and really trying to micromanage the economy? Now, that you know, to some that may seem like a great idea, right? The Fed's, the Fed knows everything. The Fed will just micromanage our way. They'll raise rates, they'll lower rates, and they'll just get us to this Goldilocks economic scenario. But the Fed has never called a recession. The Fed has, the Fed didn't see 2008 coming in, in March of 2008, right? Right. In 2020, when supply lines were completely shut down and the fiscal and monetary stimulus was, you know, something we've never seen before. They didn't think there was going to be inflation. So, you know, it's almost like you put me in a pilot seat of an airplane and tell me to gently land the plane. I, I don't know what I'm doing. They don't know what they're doing. No one really knows what's going to happen with the economy here. So you have to be really careful if you're the Fed of having the arrogance to think that you do know what's going on and that you can gently apply rates, lower rates, raise rates, you know, and that that that's the that's the uh, steering wheel of the economy. There's so much more to it. Um, so, I, you know, again, I don't know what they're thinking with this dovish tilt. Uh, they clearly see the economy slowing. Right. If you look at their economic projections, they only see economic growth of about of 1.4 percent next mm -hmm. year. Their long run growth rate is 1.8. So they see subnormal growth. Uh, they see inflation coming down, but they don't see the unemployment rate really. They see it going up to 4.1 until last uh, last week. It was at 3.9. So they're they're really painting this Goldilocks picture of this perfect economy. And, you know, some of that may be because they think the lower rates a little and it'll just create this normalization. But, you know, if you look at graphs of interest rates of Fed funds of the economy, they don't really just flatline. They're growing or they're shrinking most of the time. So are we going to be shrinking and versus kind of more of this flatline normalization that the Fed's starting to think about? And, the, you know, those are all things that we're just going to have to wait and see. Right. And, and again, this is what makes it, you know, so challenging uh, in terms of managing money. But again, you know, the you know, there's there's so many, you know, YouTube podcasters or media channels uh, of, of varying opinions. I mean, you've got some that are extremely bearish. The end of the world's coming. 
Um, you know, Felix Zuloff just recently did a, a video with Adam Taggart talking about how interest rates are going to go back to 5% next year. Um, it's going to be kind of hard to see that happening unless you have a big resurgence of inflation, which is exactly what the Fed's suggesting they don't want, but are potentially now setting up. So maybe he'll be right. I, I don't know. Um, but that's, right. the, the, you know, then you have Jeff Gunlack saying yields will be at 3% next year. You know, right. uh, you know who's going to be the, right? And these these are guys that are well-respected, right? And if the Fed gets too far ahead of themselves and starts cutting rates, you know, they, they say they're going to cut rates now three times next year, mm -hmm. according to their projections. Maybe the bond market doesn't like that, right? And yields start going higher. I don't uh, know. The market seems to be liking it right now because yields will be below 4% this morning. <laughs> right, right. Today they do. But they've introduced the risk. They've they've raised, you know, one of my one of my concerns about bonds is that the Fed starts cutting rates way too fast and the bond market freaks out because this is what happened three years ago and it it generates inflation or, or it keeps it sticky and yields pop back up again. And I think they've increased the risk. I don't think it's substantial at this point. But but that risk is certainly higher today than it was yesterday. Again, it's not a high risk. I still think yields are going down. But the Fed, by trying to steer this airplane, this behemoth of an airplane, whatever they do, they're going to introduce different. They're going to change the risk profile. Right. And that's what they're doing. Uh, I you know, Lance, you were talking about there's a lot of bulls and bears and on the economy. Right. And, you know, just to be fair, I think we get labeled very bearish. But I think what we've been kind of preaching is that the economy is slowing down, but a lot of it's just normalization. We're getting back to kind of the pre-pandemic levels. And that's important to understand. We can't run at the rate we were running in 2022, 2021. Those rates are completely unsustainable. And at some point, we will get back to long-term economic growth rates, which are about 2%. And it's inevitable. And so- And interestingly what enough, we've been no, and that's a very interesting point because getting back to 2% may feel recessionary to a lot of people after having such strong rates of economic growth in 2020, 2021. Right, right. But, you know, it's, we're, we're going to normalize. And that's, that's kind of the easy one, because even if this plane is going to crash, you first go through the normalization part, you know, where, where you go from fast to normal to slow to crash. So <laughs> to stop. But no one knows. No one knows that we are going to crash and no one knows that we are going to normalize. Right. All we can do is look at data as it comes out. We can tell us what the markets are pricing in. We can read transcripts from earnings reports to tell us what, you know, companies like Walmart and Target and big retailers are telling us, what the banks are telling us, and try to look ahead and understand how what the Fed is doing right now may change things or may not. Yeah. Will lower yields generate more activity in the auto industry? Will it, will it help housing a little bit? Um, so, you know, it's the, an economy is very dynamic. It's like the weather. It, it sounds nice when we get that seven day weather forecast, but most times they're wrong. Most times the Fed is wrong. Most times the street is wrong. No one, very few people predict recessions. So 
you know, again, we'll just keep our head on a swivel here and take in this these new uh, data points from the Fed and their changing tone. And, you know, we'll see where yeah. it takes us. No, that's right. You know, and look, and, and you expect yields to pop up here a bit. You know, yields are very, very over overbought, just like the stock market is. So, again, there'll be something that happens. We're, we're going to have a pop in oil prices or because oil prices are very oversold. Uh, well, or, even for go ahead, even forgetting the technical situation in bonds that they're very overbought. Yeah. The Fed has just introduced by becoming more dovish than expected a reason for yields to go higher. Correct. So it, it's not just technically, which, you know, certainly I agree with you. They're 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 overdue for yields to come back up a little bit. But the Fed is now adding a bias for higher yields as well. Correct. So. You know, they've changed the tone of the bond market, which seemed, you know, yesterday and today seems great. But, you know, again, we'll see what yeah. happens here as well, we move on. And again, you know, just and again, you know, markets are going to ebb and flow. Nothing goes straight up. Nothing goes straight down. And it's been a great right. run and down and, you know, a run for bond prices here. You're going to get a correction. Now, where that correction goes, do yields go back up to 5%? I don't think so. Um, you know, that's probably a lot unless there's really a, a big pickup in inflation all of a sudden for one reason or the other. But but yields are, to your point, and I agree with you, is that yields are going to reverse a little bit here, which will give you an opportunity to, to buy some duration um, if you haven't done so yet. Um, but right. Yeah, there you go. Mike, and, go ahead. And again, if uh, real quick, if yields go back up to 5%, we start reintroducing the hard landing scenarios. Exactly right. So the point is, is drive the car, pay attention to the road ahead of you and make adjustments as needed. There you go. Yep. And don't don't crash. <laughs> and don't drink a drive. <laughs> there you go. All right, Mike. Thanks so much. Uh, all right, that wraps up the show for today. Be sure to get by the website. Uh, get signed up for the conference coming up January the twenty seventh. Um, it is not going to be recorded. There will we have some copyright issues with our uh, keynote speakers, so there will not be a video version of this. So if you want to come to the conference, you got to come. So buy your tickets. Uh, they're on the website now. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. Uh, tomorrow, Financial Fitness Friday with Danny and Richard. See you then.